We serve to glorify God. We serve to glorify Him, not ourselves. Yes, we help one another. We serve one another. But we serve that He is glorified. So then, the motivation ultimately, I believe, is for God's glory. And that needs to be our motivation. We don't want anything to be said against our God. We want Him to be glorified. We want Him to be exalted. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And our teacher is Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church. Greg, your message today focuses our attention on how to be a leader. Yes, David does. So let's turn our Bibles together and get right to our message in Nehemiah chapter 3. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, today's message is one you'll want to share with a friend. Just tell them to visit etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. They'll find today's broadcast as well as a host of other archived broadcasts waiting there for them. Our web address again is simply etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. So then, what repetition did we see, first of all? Obviously, we saw the term built or repaired. There was those terms, two different Hebrew terms. One means to build it. The other one means to repair it. You see that most often the building was doing on the gates and the repairing was on the walls, but there is some crossover. Obviously, there's some places that really needed to be done. So we have the repairs and those things. And then we had the phrase next to him or them, next to him or them or after him. Did you notice that? We had it at least 23 times next to him or after them, next to them or after them. You see? And we also had individuals named, their families. There are certain groups of people. There are priests, there are temple servants, there are leaders. There are people who were paired in front of their houses. There are those who came from outside Jerusalem to help. There were those who wouldn't work, and there were those who worked zealously. Okay, and hopefully those things can be helpful. So with that in mind, how can we, who are so different... So different in the body of Christ, work together. Now, remember, we need to recognize what we've seen in the last few times together in Nehemiah. This passage doesn't just sit by itself. It comes on the heels of chapters 1 and 2. And indeed, we saw back then that we need to be willing to do his work, and we also need to do it for his glory by his strength. Let's go back to chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 17, chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, who's the them? In context, it's not the foreign officials. It's the Jews, the priests, the nobles, and the officials, and the rest who did the work. End of verse 16. So here, Nehemiah comes to the people who are actually there who desire to do the work. It's been three days, and he goes on a secret journey, and he inspects the walls. He doesn't tell anyone what the Lord had put in his heart. And then he comes to them and says to the Jews there who desire to work on the wall, He says to them, you see the bad situation we are in. That's verse 17, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. He's saying, basically, it's a bad scene. It's not good. It's not good. It's desolate. It's a waste. Its gates are burned. And later on, we're going to see in chapter 7 that he shares that so far there were not many houses that were built in there. We'll see some, but Jerusalem was pretty open and there was not much going on inside there. And so he identifies with them. You see the bad situation that we are in. 
And folks, I mentioned this last time, godly leaders are not on a pedestal doing their own thing, pointing their finger, telling everyone what to do. They are part of that work. You see the bad situation that we are in. You see it. It's a bad scene. And remember, these Jews had originally left all the way from Persia to come and do the work here. And they were stopped by the Persian emperor. And they had opposition, as we're going to see here. And they were discouraged. They were not doing well. And so Nehemiah points out the issue. And then what does he say? Pretty simple invitation. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Let's do it. Let's build the wall together. So he shares very quickly the biblical goal, right? And when we are doing things together in the body of Christ, we have to have a biblical goal. We need to have what God says we should be doing. Now, some goals are very specific. Some goals are very specific in Scripture. Now, here it's specific for him, for God's glory in this context, as we will see. But for us, some of the things are not as specific. But we recognize we are to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We're to serve one another. Those are some very basic principles that override the specifics that we need to do together. So then we must understand what we're doing, what we're going to do. What are we going to be about? Hey, let's go serve them by doing this, right? Hey, let's love them by doing this. This is what we should be doing if we truly love Christ in relationship to them, or whatever it might be. Let's be about the work of getting the word out here as we see, right? Whatever it might be. And so here he says, let's rebuild together. But then he gives the reason why, that we may no longer be a reproach. Now, it sounds kind of selfish there at first. Boy, we're reproached, and we don't really like the reproach, and, you know, that the world will look down upon us, so that's why we're going to do it. Well, really, that's not the full reason. The reality is the reproach upon God's people was a reproach upon him. This was his city, and they identified with him and this city, and they were being reproached. Uh, you could see and hear it probably. What kind of God do you have that identifies with this city? It's a waste place. The walls are in shambles and the gates are burned down. You could hear their mockery and their approach. And remember, the Lord himself had identified with Jerusalem. Turn to Psalm 48. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. In the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the north, the city of the great king. Well, could you imagine them? They sang these psalms, the city of our God, you know, saying walls and shambles, gates burned down. It identified him and they were being reproached for it by the bad guys. And so then the motivation ultimately, I believe, was for God's glory for God's glory, and that needs to be our motivation. We don't want anything to be said against our God. We want him to be glorified. We want him to be exalted. Indeed, when the Apostle Paul was addressing not giving offense through food or drink with the liberty that we have in Christ, he shares this statement in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We serve to glorify God. We serve to glorify him, not ourselves. Yes, we help one another. We serve one another. But we serve that he gets the glory, that he is glorified. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, in terms of speaking of serving. As each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, 
Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength that God supplies. Speak his words, serve by his strength, so that, and get this, in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is the goal. Like for us, we're building this building and all stuff. The build, that's not the goal to have a place to meet, and the goal is to glorify God in whatever we do. The goal is that he gets all the glory in the things that his body does in the context of getting prepared and being there, as we say. So then it's all for God's glory. And the motive must be for God's glory. It must not be for us and for our glory. It needs to be biblical. It needs to be for his glory. And then third, we see that we need to completely rely on the Lord. And Nehemiah was an example of this. And he says in verse 18 of chapter 2, And I told them, that's the people he's invited, let's build, that the hand of my God had been favorable to me, also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. God was favorable to me. This is how I got here. He allowed me to get the king to release me from my important job. He's given me this time. He's given me letters. He's given me access to the king's forest. God has done all of this. Nehemiah gives God the glory. And so then we need to have a biblical goal and we need to have the purpose. Ultimately, why? For God's glory. And we need to do it by his strength. And we see that. We see that here through Nehemiah. We're going to see throughout that they're constantly praying. He's constantly praying for God to bring about what he desires, for God to take care of the things that are happening. We constantly see that. So then, are you willing to do what he says from the word? God says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Are you willing to do that? God says, as each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another. Are you willing to do it? It's for God's glory, and are you willing to do his work by his strength? You see, first of all, we need to be willing to do the work from the heart, or it's worthless. Notice what we see back in Nehemiah 2.18, And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me, and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, what? Let us arise and build. Let's get up and do it. Let's do it. They took the invitation to do God's work for the right reasons. And turn down to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. I want to show you something really important. Because this wasn't external lip service. This was a heart that was changed that desired to serve the Lord. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height. See, they're in progress right now, okay? For the people had a mind to work. Or you could literally say in Hebrew, the people had a heart to work. They desired from the heart to do the work. The people had a heart to work. Now, I can't see your hearts. And when I encourage you to be about the Lord's work, I can't tell if it's from the heart that you want to do that or not. But you know, you know if it's external or if God has moved your heart to serve him. You know that. And what gets in the way if we don't want to serve him? It's sin, right? It's self-centeredness. It's selfishness. And so that needs to be rooted out through repentance and confession. And when you are back right with the Lord, he's going to give you a desire to serve him. If you are right with the Lord, you're going to have his desires. If you're right with the Lord, you're going to be in his word. And his word is constantly sharing what he desires us to do. And it's good and it's wonderful. And we are blessed when we do it. And there is peace when we walk with him, and there is joy when we do so. The people had the right heart. 
Okay, so how then, when we are so different, can we serve together? Well, from Nehemiah's example, we need to have the same biblical goal. We must do it for God's glory, the same purpose, and we must rely on the Lord completely. If we don't do that, forget it. There's going to be all kinds of division and problems, okay? Those need to be there in advance. And now coming into our passage, kind of late here, but we're getting into it, we need to first of all, from our passage, let the leaders lead. Let's take a look at this. Notice we're going to see Nehemiah exhibited extraordinary gifts and administration and organization, and the people actually followed. Remember in chapter 2, Nehemiah took the midnight ride and inspected the walls and wisely assessed the situation. And evidently from that, he is implementing a plan. And he does it wisely. And I believe he wisely, from this passage, we can see he wisely delegates the tasks. This was not a free-for-all where everyone ran to the part of wall that they wanted to fix. I don't believe that's the case. Otherwise, there'd be people all over the place on one side, whatever it might be. Well, I want to do the sheep gate, not the refuge gate, right? That's a better gate, right? Well, whatever it might be. But here, we're going to see that it was ordered. And I mentioned this earlier. Take a look back in Nehemiah 3, verse 1. Then Elishib, the high priest, arose with his brothers and the priests and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the tower of the hundred and to the tower of Hananiah. And next to him, remember that? Next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachor, the son of Emery, and now the sons of Hasenahiah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Ukiah, the son of Hakaz, made a prayer. And next to him, do you get the point? Next to him, next to him, each person had a place and they were around it. We see that on our map. They were next to each other. They were not on top of each other. They were each thing. Obviously, Nehemiah had delegated that, and I believe he did so. Initially, I thought, well, how do we know if Nehemiah delegated this? How do we know he has good organizational skills? How do we know that? It just says they did this. It's basically chapter 6 and then chapter 7, which says that they hadn't built the things yet. Nehemiah takes credit. I had built the wall, but I hadn't put up the doors yet. It's evident he was leading in this context. He was taking not credit for it, but obviously he had been the one who was leading it. So then we see that. And evidently, they let their leaders lead. You look through it, and as we read through that, evidently, they did what they were told. Now, also, another thing I want to mention here, besides that, we'll talk about that in a minute, about letting leaders lead. But another thing we see here is I think he assigned places wisely based on different needs, based on his inspection and his understanding. In Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 4, it says here, Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not built. Basically, it hadn't got a housing development there yet, okay? It hadn't been developed yet, in a sense. It says there was no housing there, but really, we're going to see there were some houses, but there are obviously very few, and they had to do with priests and people who are functioning in the context of Jerusalem. But notice, Nehemiah is very wise, And he has the people who have houses there repairing the walls near their houses. That's very wise. Take a look here at verse 23, Nehemiah 3. And after them, Benjamiah and Hashab carried out repairs in front of their what? Their house. And after them, Azariah, the son of Maasiah, the son of Ananiah, carried out repairs besides what? 
his house. Go down to verse 28. And above the horse gate, the priest carried out repairs, each in front of his house. And after them, Zadok, the son of Emory, carried out repairs in front of his house. And after him, Shehemiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, carried out repairs. And after him, Hananiah, the son of Shehemiah, Hunan, the sixth son of Zalop, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Barakai, carried out repairs in front of his quarters. So Nehemiah was quite wise here, having them repair in front of their houses. And obviously, you know, you have a vested interest if it's something that relates to you. You know, the wall was to keep out the bad guys. And I'm sure they do a good job because it's right at their house, right? It's right at their house. So we see wisdom in what Nehemiah did there too. Now, he was also wise in having, and I believe the leaders didn't step out just and do it on themselves, but I believe he directed them to do it. He was wise to have the religious leaders step out first. He had them step out first. Look back in chapter 3, verse 1 again. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then Elishib, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. And they consecrated it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall and the tower of the hundred and the tower of Hanael. They arose right away. Remember it said, arise and build? They arose and they built. That's what that verse says. Then, Vav consecutive Hebrew, they arose and built. And they started with the gate. Now, obviously, they hung the doors later, but they built the gate. Now, what's the significance? The sheep gate, obviously, was important for the priests because that's where the sacrifices would come through. So, again, Nehemiah wisely has them do that, but he also has them, I believe, setting an example. The priest would have his priestly garments on probably out there building the gate, right? And the priests also. They weren't too high and lofty to not be part of the work. Now, it's an important principle. They began the work right away. They set the example. They got out and did it right away. Then they did it. Now, unfortunately, I have to mention this if you've read through the book. Later on in chapter 13, we're going to see that Elishib had some problems. He's working here and he's doing good, but he's obviously under Nehemiah's direction. He had some problems, and we'll see that in chapter 13. And folks, we see that in the context of ministry. You minister with those who are appearing to do the right thing with the right heart, and later on you go, things are revealed that are not the way they should be. You see that. That's part of ministering. So folks, Nehemiah is wise, and he organizes them, and they respond. You know, it's a burden when everybody in the car is telling you how to drive, right? It's a burden. When you get in a church where everybody wants to lead rather than serve, you're going to have problems. Here, Nehemiah is leading, and they are all serving. They are doing what he says, and they accomplish this task in 52 days. You see, when other people want to lead rather than serve, you're going to have grumbling because they want to do it their way. You're going to have problems. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have gossip. You're going to have division. And I can't tell you how much the blessing is when you're in a position of leadership trusting the Lord when you share tasks that people willingly do, those voluntarily, and they do it. Grumbling. What a blessing that is. No arguments, no mumbling. Oh, Nehemiah's micromanaging. No, there's no mumbling, no arguments or whatever it might be. What a blessing. But what a burden it is when you don't have submissive servants. What a burden that is. So here, Nehemiah trusted the Lord. He exhibited great organizational skills from the Lord. And indeed, the people set out and did what he said. And they functioned the way he desired them to function. And it is recorded for us here 
in this chapter. So then, how can we work together? We need to be led together. We need to allow God's leaders to lead, and we need to follow with the right heart. That's what we see here. If they didn't, they'd be going, no, I want to work on the refuge gate. Well, no, I want to work on this gate. No, I want to work this part of the wall. Can you imagine? They wouldn't even start within 52 days if they had a committee to do this. They were led, and they just did it with the right heart. Okay, so with that in mind, this implies then that we need to get to work, right? How is it that we can work together, be led together? Well, we need to, first of all, be about biblical goals, biblical things, what God has called us to do for the purpose of his glory, by his strength. And we need to let the leaders in the body of Christ lead, and we need to follow and serve. And then we need to get to work. Remember back in chapter 2, verse 18, they said, let us arise and build. Notice what it says, chapter 2, verse 18. It says, then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. They did it. They were about it. And notice he says in chapter 3, verse 1, then Elisha, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They did it. They rose and built. Folks, some of us need to get to work. There are things that God is calling you to do. There's things he's calling you to do with your family. There's things he's calling you to do in the body of Christ as each one has a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There are things God is calling us to do in our relationships. We need to get about it. We need to get about the work. We need to be good stewards of the talents that God has given us, the giftings that he's given us. We're here to serve him. We need to get to work. So how we who are so different, how can we work together for a common goal in the context of serving Christ From Nehemiah's example, they had a common biblical goal. They understood the purpose, to glorify God. And as a parent, they believed God's good hand was upon them. They were trusting him. And they got to work as Nehemiah led them. Now, at this point, I want to share some interesting observations from the rest of the chapter that can be helpful for us as we look at this. I want to share those. First of all, notice we've already seen this, but... Working together, they each went about their individual tasks. Working together, they each went about their individual tasks. Next to him, next to them, after them. They were working together, but they were doing their individual tasks. We can learn from this. I can learn from this. We can all learn from this, right? That's why we have it. I mentioned this already. Secondly, that the religious leaders set the example. They stepped out right away and they got to work. And then there's something quite interesting I noticed, and you probably noticed it when we're reading through, but all different kinds of people worked together. Let me share a little bit of this. I'm not going to share every part of it, but we see there's the high priest and the priests, verse 1. We see there are the Levites and priests who did other work. Look in verse 17, chapter 3. After him, the Levites carried out repairs under Rephim, the son of Bani. Look at verse 22. And after him, the priests, the men of the valley, carried out repairs. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. 
CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the Ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we close today's broadcast, how should we respond to what you've taught us in this message? Well, Dave, as we see in the scriptures, in the body of Christ, the Lord has appointed leaders. And inherent in this is that there are those who are going to be willingly led. So my question is, are you letting godly leaders lead you? Well, if not, there needs to be some confessing and some relational restoration. And if so, be praying for your leaders and let the Lord lead you for his glory through them. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. (laughs) 